This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, man, how are you doing out there? Hey, doing pretty well. Just, you know, like said in the last podcast we're recording here, it is Tuesday night and we have the polar vortex trending down towards us. And it's so bad that the state of Iowa just canceled the postal service delivery for the next 24 hours. So if it's if the post service is not delivering, you know, it's got to be pretty much apocalyptic out there. I thought their whole thing was uh, like rain, shine. How's it go? Rain, sleet, or snow, probably yep. would be my guess. <laughs> but I, I'm going to give them a pass. They do a good job all the other days of the year. And if it's it's like so, it's going to be so cold out there that your skin will literally start to die after like exposure for five to ten minutes. So I give them a pass for tomorrow. That's okay. I don't need anything that badly. <laughs> you know, now you if Amazon Prime bills? doesn't deliver, we're going to be in trouble. No, oh, yeah. Man. The, the, you guys don't have to show up, actually. Now that you bring that up, I got the the wedding stuff. Yeah, just yeah, you guys can hold off. I'll order from UPS or something. <laughs> there you but go. But no, just other than that, other than that, uh, doing pretty well. Just grinding away. Kind of sad that the Senior Bowl is over, but that means the combines around the corner and uh, the Super Bowls this Sunday. We'll probably get to that just for a second at the end of the episode today, honestly. But that means football season is going to be full off season mode, which is bittersweet. There's no other way to put it besides bittersweet. That is true. I, I like we've always said we love the off season, but it, it's still hard when it's it's season over. And and you know, especially I, I don't know, I I'm good until after the draft. After the draft, when you got like that two month lull. Oh man, that that's a long time there during the summer. Yeah, it's that's the worst time of year. However, it's summer out, so I don't miss it too much. Right now, we are end of January, early February, so it's literally. I mean, my birthday is in February. It's the worst time of year. That's my birthday month, so I can say that, I think. So sorry <laughs> to you other Valentine, your Valentine's people out there, your hardcore President's Day truthers. February is terrible, at least in Iowa. So I am, uh, <laughs> I am ready for spring. I'm with you there. Well, make sure to check, check us out on Twitter. You can follow me at Carl Dimmler MHH, and you can follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH, and you can follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out and subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input on our show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of the 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital Network, to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, like you already said, Senior Bowl has come and went, and uh, it's one of those hurry-up-and-wait things when it comes to the NFL. You, you hurry up and, and get through a week like this, and there's so much information, and then all of a sudden now you got to wait for the, the combine to come around to get more information. But we just wanted to take a, a second here just to kind of look at the Senior Bowl and just kind of evaluate some of the players and different positions that, that maybe the, the Broncos will be looking at here in this upcoming draft. And I thought it'd be good, maybe do a little bit of the the pound the table. Who's the player that maybe you'd pound the table for, and a player that you would pound the table against? Because I think it's both. It's important for for teams to really make sure that they have those players. That they're saying no, they are not a good fit. They're not a guy that I'd go after. And and so for us, I, I want to start with the the obvious position. I mean, we're we're going to be talking about this. You talk about it till you have it, and and that is quarterback, of course. And yeah. so. Is there really a guy from this senior bowl that you are saying maybe pound the table for? I mean, I'm not pounding the table probably for any of these quarterbacks in this class, but we're still a ways out still. So I'm going to hold on to making up my decision before. Yeah, at least too early. But you took pretty much the only quarterback that was worth (laughs) pounding a table for in this. So I literally put him down and quote, or parentheses, Jarrett Stidham day three was a guy that I guess I, I could lean into the tools there. And apparently the Broncos have a, a decently high opinion of him. But again, I you know listen, listening, he won practice player of the week for the AF for the AFC for the, the South team. But then when the game turns on, he's a guy that's holding on to the ball too long and doesn't look like he has any pocket awareness, which is the same thing we saw at Auburn. So yeah, that's uh, you took away the, the one guy I'll leave you, leave you to that, but, Really, none of these other quarterbacks did enough for me to want to to take them with any sort of high pick or put in any sort of hopes in the future for them. And then for me, the guy that I'm going to pound the table against here, Will Greer, a guy that some people I know Pro Football Focus had him as the best quarterback in the entire Senior Bowl. And my goodness, that dude, not not a great Senior Bowl. He had a couple good slants, and he threw threw with more velocity than I remembered. But that was at the cost of place ball placement and touch and erratic footwork i just i don't know i'd never really got the will greer hype 
as far as round one, but after the senior bowl performance and some of the stuff surrounding that, I don't even know if I could get behind him in a top hundred pick. Like that's, that's how much I was not thinking highly of him. And apparently Gary Kubiak was a big fan of him and now he's gone. And Hey, would you look at that? The Vikings are interested in Will Greer. So <laughs> that's i uh, <laughs> I'm going to count my blessings there. At least, you know, we're going to read it on the outside. Who knows if that's actually 110% true because, you know, sources, you know, can, not always be truthful and sometimes they they're told the wrong stuff so that's how it is but um Wilger is a guy that definitely arrow trending down for me after the senior bowl i'm, I'm with you there i mean like, like i said there, there's only one quarterback really that you could sit there and say maybe he's worth pounding the table for and I'm, I'm not sitting there jumping up doing the oh captain my captain this is the guy i'm going to live or die by but it, drew luck i mean he's the guy that's been linked to the broncos forever and he's going to continue to be linked to the Broncos until either he is one or isn't one. And I mean, but I, I guess I, I really appreciated what he did in the senior bowl game. I thought he did a good job of, of not, not trying to fit passes into places. He shouldn't when he threw deep, it was because the guy was actually open or he had an opportunity or he was just kind of throwing it away. One of the, one of those kind of things he missed the, the one touch. He had a touchdown pass. I mean, the, I know the stats don't say that, but that was a touchdown pass. You, you yeah, get better oh, receivers. Yeah, it was it was perfect. That was I mean, Terry McLaurin too, who had a great week of practice and I had a pretty good game. He just dropped that one, which right. people were like, "Oh, the ball was a little bit low." That was a pinpoint perfect pass. That's how you beat a cover two. Right. I mean, you want to drop it in there because if you throw it too far, that guy can get his head cleaned off. So you want them going down like that. I, I was going to say, had it. as a receiver, I appreciate throws like that because yes. that that saves me over the middle big time. Yep. And I don't think people realize how often that is such a big deal to protect your receiver. So, yeah, I, I love that throw. I, I thought his one, it was the, his, I think it was his first drive. The third down pass, it was high, but it was still catchable. He didn't yeah. set his feet, and it wasn't a perfect throw by any means, but it was still catchable. That was one of two throws that I thought were meh. The other one was a throw to the left sideline that, sailed out of bounds and the one you talked about over th- on third down it should have been caught it hit the guy's hands but if he reset his feet it's an easy third down completion right two right. things that were apparent throughout his tape so he's right. still he still drew lock you know nothing crazy has changed yet but the flashes were there i mean he had a couple throws on the right so going to the right on some third and decently longs and in terms of the velocity the touch the movement in the pocket to get to that point and even going through progressions something that you know wasn't super apparent especially in his junior tape uh, that was all there. So he he definitely looked like the guy as the NFL quarterback prospect in the senior bowl to me. What do you think of his underhand throw? I thought that was fun. Um, it's one of those <laughs> things where we're going to see some, I really think we're going to see a real big trend up in boneheaded quarterback decisions coming up with all the, everybody's going to try to be, be Patrick Mahomes yeah. and it's going to lead to some really awesome plays and some really bad plays. So yeah. that's, that's what I'm taking from that. I, I'm with you there. And then my my guy that I'm just really against, Tyree Jackson. I, I just I know he had the really nice deep pass, and I know he's got a, a really great arm, but I, I just I don't I don't see a guy that's ever going to develop. I think he's all athlete and not much when it becomes when it comes to the mental processing. His interception, I mean, the guy was right there, the defender. It was just a complete. Hey, I'm just going to throw it to this spot. And I don't know. I just don't see a guy that's even worth maybe, maybe that sixth or seventh round flyer. But even there, I'm kind of going, that might be more of a wasted pick. Cause I just never see him becoming the kind of guy that you want. Yeah. That said, he was probably one of the, the few that 
gave his wide receivers a chance to do something, which is half the battle. He did, but it, again, it's just it not great. not my kind of guy. I'm, You're I'm just Paxton Lynch flashbacks. I am. I really am. I, oh man, I messed that up so bad. And uh, so I, I'm just saying that's my guy. I'm saying let's just let somebody else take a chance on him. One thing I do want to point out about this is just you know evolution over time as me as an analyst and watching football. Tyree Jackson probably had the best raw arm talent in the quarterback out of the quarterback to the senior bowl, but his arm talent when the ball really pops out of his hand costs a massively long, slow, deliberate windup. So is that the, how translatable is that to the NFL? That big, long, elongated windup is, you know, it's going to take longer. Guys are going to have more chance to break on the ball. You're going to have safeties breaking on it sooner, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to create a much more chance for an edge rusher to come around and just, he needs more space in the pocket to be able to elongate that throw in motion. Yeah. However, for Drew Locke, who I don't think he has as much raw arm talent as Tyree Jackson, but with the amount of velocity and rotations per minute on the football, he can generate with his quick movement. That, I mean, the ball explodes out of his hand with that really quick, tight movement. It is a little, he releases it a little bit lower than I'd like, but still, like how much velocity he can get while still having a lightning quick release is one of the things that really draws me to him. One thing that really stuck out to me when uh, Joe Goodberry one of our guests was talking about Drew Locke and, and talk, he was talking about Daniel Jones mostly and the fact that he had a lot of knockdown passes. And one thing that I really appreciate about Drew Locke is he does have the ability to throw from different arm angles. And I think that's such an underrated quality for a guy just to be able to fit it through a lot of these windows that are being asked of the, in the NFL, because I mean, teams are really focused on this whole knockdown a pass, get in those throwing lanes. And I think that's one of the things, especially Mahomes, I, I hate to give him compliments, but he is so good at being able to know which kind of arm angle to throw to to get it to the right guy. And I, I think Drew Locke really offers that that high upside when it comes to that of being able to not always have to throw the the same motion every single time to be able to get it to the to the receiver and, and stride and all those kind of things. So, like I said, I, I like Drew Locke. I'm not 100% sold on him. I I'm, but if the Broncos took him, I could see why they won him for sure. And Tyreek Jackson, like you said, that elongated throwing motion, I think it's going to cause some problems. I, I don't, again, I just don't see a guy that's ever going to really become that NFL starting quarterback. He has the tools. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't have that feeling with him. Yeah. All right, well, moving along here, we're actually going to skip running backs just for the sake of length of the podcast. And honestly, if there's any position in the NFL draft that the Broncos do not need to look at in any sense, it's probably running back. I mean, Devontae Booker is a good third third down back. He's a decent receiver out of the backfield, and he's the third running back on the depth chart. Like, that's that's good. And then you got Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. So there's really not a need to take running back this year. I mean, obviously, you can take a a veteran, a scrap heap, a UDFA kind of guy, but in the draft – Guys at the Senior Bowl, probably not in the talent at the Senior Bowl, just just because the the nature of the position at running back is never going to be super high. So right. that's just that's just how it is. So moving on here to wide receiver, and for me, a big winner this week, uh, Penny Hart out of Georgia State, a guy that many people thought like, oh, this guy doesn't deserve to be here, Georgia State, whatever, blah blah blah. Well, he came out and was just absolutely 
fantastic. I wouldn't, he wasn't the best wide receiver down there, but he's a guy that I think moved the needle the most. He was talking about being seventh round pick, potential high priority undrafted free agent. And others talk that he could go top of day three. He's tiny, he's teeny tiny, you know, five, eight, 175, 185 pounds. We'll see how he measures in at the combine. When that's, when that's official, official, we'll see some stuff fluctuate between the, the senior bowl and the combine, but man, super explosive, good hands, just a fluidity to his game and an explosiveness that he can generate separation at an instant. And he's one of those slot receivers. I know that the Patriot slot receiver is definitely the the popular type. You know, you got the, the Welker, the Stokely, the Edelman, the small white guy that's killing it over the middle. But the thing that I really like about Hart is that he, while he does offer that, it's more so that he is an explosive receiver from the slot. I mean, he can test a seam. He can run a post. He can do a bunch of stuff that really is just impressive and that you don't typically see from your average slot receiver. I mean, I don't want to compare him to T.Y. Hilton, but it's like kind of that explosive level of slot play that makes me excited. And Penny Hart was a guy that I think, you know, he had a good chemistry with Locke. He was move- making plays. He was getting open, and I was super impressed with his, his week. My guy that I'm, I'm against after this, he's a guy that I kind of liked watching the highlights. Sorry to talk down about the Buffalo football program on the podcast today, but Anthony Johnson from Buffalo, he's a guy who he's a not super athletic, not a very long guy who wins contested catches down the field somewhat, but he doesn't win great with separation. He's not a fantastic athlete. There, he doesn't have amazing hands. I think he's just kind of a, a meh guy. And like for wide receivers, something that I'm coming around to listening to smarter people out there than, than myself, especially when it comes to wide receivers is that, do they have a trait that they can hang their hat on? And for me, Anthony Johnson is just mediocre or less all across the board. So that's, that's where I'm at on him. I definitely lower on him after this week than I was coming in. I like it. Yeah. Two, two different types of players there for sure. The guy I'm going to pound the table for, because I think he could be there maybe in those mid rounds for the Broncos and could be a really good fit on the outside. Keelan Doss of UC Davis, 6'3". He doesn't move like he's 6'3", though. He is so smooth. I th- There was one route that I watched him on, and I just I had to rewind it about three or four times because you know me. That's like my, that's my addiction, route running. And oh my gosh, it, it was just, it was so sweet. He did an out route and oh, he ran it perfect. Perfect. The defender was completely turned around. He did perfect on his steps. I just, I was blown away. And for like a six, three guy, like I said, it's it just, it's unheard of. Debo Samuels, my favorite receiver that was there, but Keelan Doss, probably my number two guy, just cause I, I didn't know anything about him. I really didn't until the senior bowl. And now I've gone back and watched some of his tape and I'm just going, man, this guy, I think he's going to be, he's not going to test the best by any means, but somebody's going to get a very, very high productive receiver for them, especially that number two receiver spot that a quarterback's just going to fall in love with because they know he's going to be the exact spot they want him. And I just, I was, like I said, I, I, I can't say enough good things about this kid. I, I would love to see him with the Broncos. And then my, my wide receiver, I guess I'm kind of against. It's not because he just because he did anything bad. It's just David Sills. I didn't hear anything coming from the week that he was blowing people away or anything like that. I, I just think he's kind of like another guy. I 
I've watched him on tape and I think he's a decent receiver and I think he'll make some NFL rosters and do fine and things like that. But I just don't see a guy that I'm sitting there going, man, this guy's going to be thousand yard receiver every single season. That's the guy I want to go get. Yeah, I agree. I always think it's funny that he's the dude that Lane Kiffin offered a quarterback scholarship to when he was like nine years old. That's probably the most exciting thing. I honestly think the other wide receiver from West Virginia, Gary Jennings, who hooked up with Tyree Jackson a few times was the guy that stood out from that West Virginia side as far as those pass catchers. Although he's actually my pass catcher number two from this senior bowl. Moving right along, speaking of that, tight ends. I actually cheated here. I actually took two tight ends here, and I have both of them. More guys who are that tight end two, that inline type of guy. But I was really impressed with Foster Murillo. I believe I'm saying that right, from LSU. And going back and watching some tape of his, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an Iowa Hawkeye biased fan and truther. But Foster Murillo, I think he's a better, he's the best blocking tight end in this class. Hawkinson does have some pancakes and whatnot, but I think Foster in both pass and run blocking, I mean, any sort of big running brain game that the LSU had these last two years, it really looked like Foster was the guy that was springing them forward. And he showed out, he wasn't targeted a super a lot, but he had a catch. He brought it in smoothly, and he was a guy who was, a lot of people were talking about how good he looked at the senior bowl as far as movement, how smooth he was, and just a dominating inline blocker. The other guy, another dominating inline blocker, although a little bit more of a, a fullback tight end hybrid because he's not as tall as Foster, was Daniel Wesco from West Virginia. And he's six foot three and a half and 270 pounds, but he can get out there. He's smooth. He's another guy that I really like as a tight end, too. If you're going to pair him with a more flexible tight end that can play some slot and test you vertically, I think that Wesco's a guy that you can move around and really get some value from him. And I think both these guys, because of how physical they are, also offer special teams upside. So I was impressed with both Foster Murillo from LSU and Daniel Wesco from West Virginia. As far as going uh, trending down, Tommy Sweeney, guy didn't do much for me watching him. And again, in the senior bowl, granted, the quarterback play wasn't great, but he's another one that just didn't do, didn't move the needle for me much at all when watching them. Yeah, good choice. I almost went with Murillo. Yeah, I, I was, I, I, yeah, I was really, really close. I, I went with Drew Sample from Washington. I, just watching him throughout the week, it wasn't so much the game, but it was actually the practices. I saw a lot of plays of his, and I thought he had some pretty good route running. I thought he did a good job of really knowing how to to body up uh, defenders and get himself that extra little separation, especially in the red zone. And I just see him as that guy. I, I don't see him as being a, a special tight end or anything like that in the NFL, but I see him as being that nice red zone target for some team. And just a guy that you can really trust to go up and throw it and, and him to come down with it. And I thought he had some pretty good blocks as well. That was something else that kind of stuck out to me. It wasn't, he's not a perfect block or anything like that, but I think you get him in the right system. He can be that nice tight end too for a team that can keep teams a little bit guessing of whether it's a pass or run. Uh, that, that's one thing I love about the tight end position is if you can find that guy that makes teams say, I don't know what they're going to do. And that's why I have my next guy, the 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 against guy, Caleb Wilson of UCLA. I, I just he's not a blocker by any means. <laughs> he's a completely a receiving threat tight end, and I see him as more. He's just going to be that slot tight end role. And while that can have its value, and his ability to go up the seam and make a play is great, I just I just don't see the value in anything above maybe like a fifth round pick for a guy like him. And he had the fumble in the game that was not very pretty at all. I, I just, there's a lot of things about him that just have me going, no, don't, don't take this guy. 
And I just don't think he's a great fit with the Broncos because I really do think they want to have those kind of tight ends that really can be those two-way players of running, uh, helping in the run game, also helping in the pass game. They need that. And you look at the coaches that we've hired, they love the run game to set up the pass. You look at the the running backs we have, that's the strength of the team. We've already talked about that. And I just really think Caleb Wilson is a terrible fit with the Broncos. Yeah, I he's one that I know that Josh Rosen looked to him a lot, but he doesn't really offer much explosion. I mean, he's a he's a non-explosive pass-catching tight end. Probably a hard pass for me yeah. in that regard. So, and Drew Samples from Washington. So, what I'm I, let's take bets now, Carl. Not for real, but let's take bets now. He's going to be drafted by by whoever the Broncos play week one in the regular season, and he's going <laughs> to go off for 200 yards, and just everyone's going to be mass panic, just like just like Will Disserly. Yep, and everybody's going to pick him up in fantasy football, and then he'll do nothing the rest of the year. Yep, that's just how it is. Maybe with Fangio, that that won't happen now, but we'll see. It's just a little. little I still got a little bit of PTSD from those smaller named Washington tight ends, so <laughs> kind of have to watch out for that. Moving on now, though, to a position that you know every single one of these positions has been a need for the Broncos. That's what happens when you're picking tenth overall. You don't have a, a fantastic roster. But for me, you also I got to tell you, listeners, Carl did this outline. I did the I worked on the Joe Goodberry one, but uh, he definitely had the first overall pick for every single one. So they know that when I'm going through this, because there are guys that I think I would have had higher than who I picked, but what can you do at the end of the day? So for me, my biggest riser uh, as far that I was allowed to pick Titus Howard from Alabama state, small school guy, but he showed up. He had tremendous length, a guy who moved very well. He wasn't perfect rep to rep, but he's from Alabama state. I mean, there's going to be a learning curve, but he, I heard an interview with him very well-spoken and I thought he held up really well at right tackle in this game. He's a guy, he actually played quarterback in high school he was a guy that was smaller and then hit a growth spurt. And he, the offense, the Alabama state head coach actually allowed him to make line checks from the left tackle position, which is pretty unheard of. It's either the wow. quarterback or the center. So yeah, very smart guy. Good mover. There's, there's a lot to work with there. He's a guy that's probably going to need a little bit of time, you know, working that body, working that technique, but the tools are tremendous. And I think he'll end up being a top hundred pick. I mean, if, Brandon Parker and Colton Miller can go first and third round for the Raiders. Then I think Titus Howard can be a, a day two pick. So I'm really surprised about him. A guy that I was hoping to like, I liked his tape a decent amount, especially what he did against Colin Farrell, but a guy that just didn't have an outstanding week of practice, not a great game. And really the measurements were detrimental to him. And that would be Dennis Daly from Southern Southern Carolina and he's a guy that his play is absolutely tackle. He doesn't really move guys off the point of the attack. I don't really see him being great in a phone booth, you know, working on doubles, those big hog mollies. But his arm measurements were under 33 inches. So he's a guy that potentially doesn't have the length that you want to hold up a tackle, but doesn't have that power and that ability to move people that you want at guard. So I, I, I am definitely, he's a guy that I like to come into this and, you know, the late round value, you can get it, but not hitting that check mark and not having a great week in mobile definitely has him trending downwards compared to some of these other guys that are rising up. Yeah. I'm with you there. He was a guy that I, before the, the senior bowl, he was a guy I really had my eye on and was hoping for a really good week and just didn't quite work out the way I was hoping. But for mine, I, this guy, part of, I, I love this kid for a lot, a lot of reasons, but Dalton Risner of K state one, he's a Colorado kid. And then he goes to where I went to school. And so it's just that that perfect fit. This is a guy that's like made to be a Denver Bronco. 
I, I, I love him. I love the fact that I heard he chased down John Elway just to kind of say, I want you to come get me. Like, I want to be a Denver Bronco. <laughs> and anytime you can have that, I mean, it just, it's, it, there's always something special about being able to go home and, and be something. But part of the other reason I love this kid is there, there's probably, what, at least four positions on the offensive line that you can sit here and say you could plug this guy in and probably get pretty good production from him. I, I think he, I think maybe his best position is probably going to be right tackle. There were plays in that senior bowl game. He was just destroying people. He loves to just take the soul of the defender. And you just love seeing that kind of fire in a kid. He was getting people fired up. He was jumping on the field. I just, I think that would be great for our offensive line. I think he would be a great fit with Munchak. I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, if the Broncos can find a way to get this kid, I think he's going to go lower than pick 10, but higher than our second round pick, unfortunately. So we'll, we'll kind of see. But uh, then the guy I was against was Ole Udo. I I always cheer for the for the small school guys and hoping that they're going to do something and show somebody something from, and he's from Elon. And from what I understand, he just didn't have a great week. This was, I think he just blew one of his biggest opportunities. I'm not saying that he can't turn into something, but I just didn't see a guy that was moving well. I saw a guy that, that was getting beat off the snap on a lot of plays. Just nothing that really stood out to me that made me go, Hey, this guy's going to be something. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, interesting, interesting. He's a guy that was a big winner at the Shrine Bowl and earned the call-up, but definitely a raw player. So I think he's from, I don't want to pronounce his first name, but he's a kid from Elon. So worth watching, but one that's probably going to need a few years in that NFL churner developing his body and technique. So I don't disagree with you. Now, interior offensive line, this was actually, I thought it was a pretty solid group. Yeah. And I have... I kind of want to talk about Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina state, but he measured pretty small. And while he can reach some areas and blocks that most centers in the NFL can't do, I just, I'm curious about his overall power, but he's definitely worth a shout out. But the guy that I went with was Elton Jenkins from Mississippi state. And he tried him at guard. Wasn't as good as, as good at guard, but really good at center. And I think he's going to be a top 100 pick, a plug and play five to 10 year starter at center. I thought he did well. Yeah, he's a guy that impressed me at Mississippi State this year. One of the better downhill run blockers at the center position. Hopefully there is some potential there at guard, but he just was not as comfortable there from everything that I saw and heard. But definitely arrow trending up for me. And if the Broncos move on from Matt Paradis, I think Jenkins is a guy that I would be very intrigued by depending on where he falls. Yeah, I, I kind of stayed away from the center position just a little bit because I really am hoping to speak into existence that that Matt Paradis will be back with the Broncos. Yeah. And so I was kind of with you with the, the Bradbury. I, I was really almost put him as my guy yeah. because it, it was fun watching him play, but I went with Chris Lindstrom and I, I loved watching this kid, uh, especially when he was next to um, when he was next to, to Risner. Yeah. Because those two, they just, they would move guys three, four yards off the line of scrimmage. 
And for the Broncos, I'm just thinking of that run game of adding a guy like this to that guard position. Man, that would be something fun to watch. And uh, so I, I would love to see. I Again, I don't know where he's going to be compared to where the Broncos are picking and because I think there's going to be some teams pretty high on this kid. But, oh, man, I, I loved what he brought to the field. And then my guy against Javon Patterson, I almost feel bad putting him here in the sense that I think he had a really bad matchup this week. There was a lot of great interior defensive linemen that were just really abusing him. But again, that, that's just part of it. This is your chance to show that you belong. And when you're getting abused by guys at the Senior Bowl, well, maybe some teams are sitting there saying, you're, you're a big project. Yeah. And I, I just, that's what I kind of saw with him as a guy that just didn't use his hands well, didn't always get into the body of the, the defender, was laid out of his snap didn't move his feet well, I didn't anchor well. There's just nothing that you talked about. Maybe you can find that one thing you can really lean on and say, okay, maybe we can develop because of this one, one thing. I didn't see anything in his game that made me go, yep, that's what I want. Yeah, and for me, my biggest loser, uh, fellow Iowa native, and the reason that he's a loser is because he chose to go to Alabama instead of Iowa. Who would choose to do that? No. <laughs> but Ross Pearsonbacher, he just looked overpowered to the point of attack, limited athleticism. And I think he's got a low ceiling and a guy that I'm just, I think there was, he was one of the worst offensive linemen there. And in the one-on-ones, I saw him get beat pretty repeatedly. I do think he offers some versatility, guard center, et cetera. But I, I just think he's way too limited. So unfortunate. I think the offensive line overall, the senior bowl was much better. And that from the practices, everything I've seen, normally the defensive line and the edge guys just absolutely tear it up because the one-on-ones aren't really the most natural. You know, you're not put on an island like that in the NFL or football in general as a blocker. But really, I thought overall it was a pretty solid offensive line group. So that's good. Moving on now for the defensive line. A guy who was the Shrine Bowl winner for me, and I think a guy that's a big winner again this week, Dalen Mack from Texas A&M. Now, he doesn't have the the athleticism that you see a guy like Rennell Wren, who's I thought was a winner for the week as far as practice, but not from the game. But I thought watching the game again, Dalen Mack controlled the point of attack. I think he can one gap or two gap. I think he can play zero technique. I think he can play one technique. If you're really in a heavy package, he can play three, but he's more of a nose tackle and especially a one gap nose tackle, which I mean, Hello, that's the Broncos scheme. So, and I thought he played pretty well. Strong guy, very low base. And that guy's got some of the biggest thighs and biggest butt per body mass I've seen of an NFL player. My God, that guy is just a massive, massive dude. So, he made one play that just, again, I had to rewind the tape because I think he held off the offensive lineman with one arm and then made the tackle with the other. And I mean, he was just running down the line with his one arm on the, the offensive lineman, just saying, nope not getting to me and boom made the play. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's impressive when you can one arm hold a guy off that size. Yeah, no, he's, he is one that I don't know if I'd use the third. It's really stinks. So I was getting used to having that third round comp pick, but I don't think I could take him the top of round three, but is he going to be there at the top of round four? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It depends. It's a, good defensive tackle class. So maybe that'll push the need down, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan of him. A guy that's moving down for me this week, though, Dontravius Russell from Auburn. He was probably, he flashed some while at Auburn, but I thought Coe and Brown were the better players and he just did not do a lot for me this week. He looked pretty limited and in a class with some pretty dynamic defensive tackles to interior pass rushers. I think he's a guy that just is more of an afterthought that 
I don't think he'll go undrafted, but you know, late day three just didn't do much for me. Yeah. I, I went with the the guy and I again this is I kind of felt bad for Javon Patterson, but going up against Kalen Saunders, man, that that was mismatch galore. <laughs> he matadored him early on for that side. I was like, yeah. there I go. I was like, how big is that uh, dude? <laughs> and then the fact, I mean, the, the whole week was a win for him. Having his first kid, being able to do a, a round off backflip at what, 320? I mean, I, I wish I could do that, and I'm about 200. And I'm, I'm not the, even close. I, the la- the, I told you before, the last backflip I did ended with two black eyes and a, and a concussion. So Not uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But no, he's he's a big winner of the week. And I think really got some teams talking about him. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he could go a lot higher than a lot of people are thinking right now. But the other guy that just really stood out in the wrong way, Isaiah Bugs of Alabama. And I know we're picking on some Alabama guys here today. But one, measurements. His At Alabama, they had him listed at, what, 6'5", 300? And he measured in about 6'2". I know that's not a huge, I mean, you think three inches isn't that big of a difference, but it really is when you're tr- talking about these guys and wanting length. We, we talk about the, the five tech needing a lot of length. And he just, I don't know, he's not, what, what's his position? He's not great at getting pushed from the interior, but he's not great at the edge either. Yeah, I, I think he's one of those guys that's a little bit of out of position. And I think was, he had a lot of stats, but I think that's more because of the players he had around him than about him. I Another thing that really turned me off with him, besides the tape and the limitations, was that he is extremely stubby in terms of arm length. I think yep. he had like 32 and a half or some, maybe even less. So not good. That's a guy that, especially if you're going to maybe be playing five tech, you know, he has to be able to take on tackles and guards, double teams, et cetera, et cetera. You need some vines. That's something that Bill Collar loves. So stock down. I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. All right. Edge rushers now. For me, I have Anthony Nelson from Iowa. He's a guy that I think he doesn't necessarily fit the Broncos scheme, but he was very productive in the game. Some people think he may have to move more as an inside, outside kind of guy at the NFL, but he's productive. He's got that. He made Andre Dillard, who was getting a lot of hype from this week, just look absolutely foolish on a push pull that he had. And he's not a bendy guy, but he can really cut the angle, and his hand use is just so advanced. And he's a guy that. I think that he won't be a great starter of the NFL, but he's going to stick around the league for a long time just because he is so nuanced as a pass rusher with his use in technique. And I think as he continues to bulk out that frame a little bit more, maybe I'll add some versatility on the inside. He's a guy that I, I just see being productive for a long time. And that's, I mean, not a great edge group here in mobile this year. So he's one that's moving up for me and then stock or stock down, I guess. Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech, the all-time sack leader in NCAA football history, took it from Terrell Suggs. You know what? That doesn't mean a thing. Good for him. But as far as it comes to NFL prospects and traits, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, look no farther than Demarcus Walker. He won ACC Defensive Player of the Year, for God's sake. And that guy, I would be shocked if he's on the Broncos 53 next year. Just limited. We're scouting for traits here, and Jalen Ferguson is a guy just doesn't look to have the size or the linear explosion or the bend that projects to me as a high-end pass rusher in the NFL and I've I know some people were hey maybe a potential first round pick I think he's closer to a day three pick than he is a first round pick I'm with you there my my guys the the guy I was forward that I thought had a really really good week Charles Omeniu I from from Texas 
He was defensive lineman of the year for the Big 12. And I just thought he did great showing that he has a little bit of bend, but he's got a little bit of power. He's just got a little bit of everything to his game. And he's got a uh, lot of length and a lot of explosiveness, though. He, he Yeah. And I, I just I was very, very impressed with his fight during the game. I He didn't win every battle. But he he definitely won quite a few, and I loved he had that really bad penalty, which I thought was a little controversial. I thought he was more in the shoulder pad neck area than he was in the face mask. But anyway, got penalized, comes back and makes a huge tackle for loss in the run game the next play. So I just love that that hey, I made a mistake, I'm gonna make up for it kind of attitude, and just very very impressed. I don't think he's I don't think he's a great fit with the Broncos. But for a 4-3 team, I think somebody's going to be really, really happy with what he brings to the field. And then my guy, I just thought, would maybe have a little bit better week. He had got called up from the Shrine game, Jalen Jelks of Oregon. I've watched some of his games, and I've thought, oh, this guy has a little something. I, I think with enough development, he could turn into something. But the, the main thing I kept hearing all week was he had no pass rush plan. It was, I'm going to run as fast as possible and try to beat the guy to the edge. Well, if that's your only plan, that's not going to work out well. Now, maybe it's a late round flyer because the Broncos need somebody that they can develop and turn into something. He's maybe worth a, a shot there. But as a guy that I thought could really elevate his stock after having a great shrine week, I just thought he really destroyed any kind of momentum that he had going heading into this past week. Yeah. I think that the, the other edge rusher from Oregon that who, whose name is escaping me at the Shrine Bowl, watching the Shrine Bowl, he was tearing it up. I am, I'd be more interested than him and than Jelks. So definitely interesting to watch that. Now linebackers, for me, even though they're both of our guys who stood out are ones that Joe Goodberry said didn't stand out to so much him, but that's because he didn't see the South practice as much. They pretty much only saw one of them. But for me, Bobby Okarike, a guy measured really long, Stanford linebacker, great athleticism, smooth in space. I think he's got coverage upside. And he is a linebacker from Stanford, which... To my knowledge, I think that's Vic Fangio's, you know, area of expertise, Stanford and linebacker. So that's a, that's a guy that I think the Broncos could really take a look at. He fits needs, and I think he's got upside still that he's he's just scraping the surface of. He needs to be better in terms of his processing speed and not biting on play action. But that's something that I take a chance on probably probably not round three, but round four, round five if he's there. And then for me, my biggest loser, a guy that came in as an edge rusher, but just measured teeny tiny. I think he led the NCAA in sacks two years ago, but that's Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois. And he just, he's going to have to transition to off ball linebacker. And I don't know if he's got the fluidity or the coverage ability to do that. So that's he's, he's definitely one of the biggest losers of the entire process at the senior bowl for me. Good list. I I went with Terrell Hanks, uh, the guy from New Mexico state, and, and part of it is just you're, you're looking for those small school guys to, to make a name for themselves. And this is a guy that I kept hearing every every person that I saw on Twitter that was there or uh, doing a podcast that was there or anything like that. It just seemed like his name kept coming up. And when that happens, it just kind of makes you perk up and say, OK, there's something about this kid. And I've heard he's got the athleticism to be able to go sideline to sideline. He helps the run game, can actually show up in the pass game. So I'm just interested to see what he does the rest of the, the process through this and, and see what, what he can develop. Because this is one area that I'm excited for the Broncos to have uh, because they, they really haven't had this. Fangio brings a guy that knows how to develop linebackers. And so getting a hold of a, a guy like Terrell Hanks from a small school and seeing what he can do, I just, I'm excited to see that. And then 
my against Cameron Smith of USC, I, I just I, watching the game, all the things that had me worried about him showed up. The lack of athleticism, there's one play that was run to his side and the running back beat him to the edge. He just, he couldn't get there. I didn't see him do well in coverage. I didn't see him, the, even in the run game, he wasn't great. Like I said, if he takes a false step, he is out of position. He just doesn't have that recovery ability. And so for a guy that I just, I, I had a little bit of excitement last year about, I just didn't see any kind of development. And and if anything, I thought my worries were more this year compared to last year. Yeah, he's just another guy that's limited and he doesn't have the crazy change of direction ability or process in speed of Josie Jewell. So hard pass, just that, no, nothing else really to say, but hard pass. Moving on to cornerback now, my standout from the game, he kind of had up and down, but there wasn't really many cornerbacks at the Senior Bowl this year, and I thought that he he battled. That's a big thing, and he showed some physicality at the catch point that I liked. And that was Rockison. I had him as a loser from the weigh-in, but I thought the game throughout the week, he was he was solid. Not Again, not many great cornerbacks there, but I think he was one of the better ones. And for a guy that was getting some first-round buzz, and I liked, I liked what I saw at the tape at Penn State, which obviously matters more, but Amadio Iwarie from Penn State, he just... He was a guy that looked stiff. He was getting beat. He was not sticking with guys in coverage. And I, I'm just, it's going to make me have to go back to the tape because he was a guy that I expected to be the best cornerback there. And I don't, I don't think he was, I think he, he struggled. So definitely a guy that I am, I'm trending down on. It just adds more confusion to what is an already very confusing cornerback class. I, I did hear that he had a little bit of a hamstring tweak. Okay. So that would, that, that could play something. into it. That's why he didn't really play it. I don't think he even played in the game. Yeah, he's bad. Not a bad, not a good week. Yeah, he's a guy definitely trending down. But tape at tape at Penn State was good. So if he had a hamstring injury, I'm hoping that it's 100 percent good to go by the time that the the combine comes around because the testing numbers are going to be more important for him than they were coming into this week. Right. No, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, the guys that I was for, Emin Marshall. He's not a perfect cornerback by any means, but he he's a guy that has a lot of tools that I think a lot of teams could fall in love with. What I did they call that- him on the broadcast? It was not Iman Marshall. They called him something else, and I was like, "That's that's Iman Marshall." Yeah, like it, it was like a nickname. It was like Boogie Marshall or something. Yeah, I don't know what they were calling him, but it was. Okay. It, was, it so took it me was, a second to figure out who yeah. the heck they were talking about. <laughs> but no, I I really like his game. I think he's a guy that as a as a project cornerback that I think could really turn into something. He, he's one of those guys I really think has the tools to to have some really high ceiling area. And then the guy I'm against, oh my goodness, he probably the worst game of any player at the at the Senior Bowl, Chris Boyd. Yeah, he sucked. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. I was getting mad because I knew Drew Locke only had the first quarter, and this guy kept extending drives for the South. Ah, it was so mad. Second and 18, and you get a, a pass interference call. Come on. Just, I don't see a guy that can translate to the NFL. I, I think he has some tools, but still, he just, I don't think he has the head for it. He'll end up the most penalized player in the entire NFL. Yep. If you play him right now. I mean, they were, they were a little flag happy in that game, but it was ridiculous. And then uh, we don't have safeties on here. Well, that's, that's a little bit of oversight. I guess, Carl, you give one trending up and I'll give one trending down. I had a winner at safety in the article, so I guess it's pretty easy. Okay. Well, I mean, the guy everybody's talking about, Nasir Adderley of Delaware. I even John Elway talked about this kid. I mean, uh, that that means something when 
John Elway notices you and says, yep, that, that's a player right there. So I think he's that one guy. I, I, I remember I was, I was doing a mock draft with somebody and I, I was the Denver Broncos and, and somebody took Adderley in the first and I was like, oh my gosh, who is this kid? That was a stupid mistake. And now I'm sitting here going, man, I'm an idiot for not knowing who this kid was. So I'll give you a pass. That's Delaware. I mean, I know that was it Joe Flacco went there after transferring out of Penn state. I believe it was, but I mean, I'm not watching very much blue hen football. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't either. I mean, then that's the, you always watch the big school guys first just because they're the well-known guys that talked about all year kind of guys. And so then you start getting these small school guys coming in, especially through these kind of events like the senior bowl and trying game and all that. You finally start getting some tape and saying, okay, yep, this guy's something. So I, yeah, I think he could be a definitely a great safety in the league. And there's some talk. It seems like he might even be the first safety taken there. I mean, when we're talking about the, the safety from Alabama, his, his stock has slid big time over those last two games. I mean, he was top 10 pick. We were even talking about him here on this podcast. Yeah. And now I don't think I would have him on my list of guys I wanted 10. Nope, not me. So not it's me amazing either. how quickly some of that can change. Yeah, that's that's the name of the uh, – that's the offseason, is it? isn't it? I mean, that's just – that's how it goes. Things are fluid. That's very important and to understand. And then, Do you have a loser for the Senior Bowl? I'm trying to pick through here. I mean, there were so few – cornerbacks and safeties there that I'm just curious. My, my guy that I'd have as a loser just cause <laughs> it was almost like he lucked in to really bad or he made a really bad play, but he almost lucked into a good play. Will Harris. Mm, yeah. There was one play uh, on the, the broadcast. They were talking, Oh my gosh, they just blitzed. Well, it was because Will Harris fell so bad for the play action that he was halfway into the backfield before he realized the ball carrier didn't have the ball. And then he's like, well, I might as well go after the quarterback. And he almost got the quarterback. And they said that he did that at practice too. And so when I'm hearing a safety that gets faked that bad, I just keep having flashbacks to Raheem Moore getting beat over the top. And you just, you need your safety to be able to be that smart guy in the middle of the field that knows when to stay back, when to come up and just not get himself out of position. Yeah, for me, I guess the guy that I know some people were pretty excited about coming in, but Juwan Thornhill from West Virginia or from Virginia, I I know that his analytics are very high, but I don't see anything that I would want to hang my hat on with him. Not a not a big fan. So, yeah. All right. Well, moving on, the biggest overall winner for me this week, guy that I think will end up being the the best player from the Senior Bowl, and I mean that's this is outside of the scope of quarterback. He won't be the first guy selected, but I think the most talented guy there. Debo Samuel, and I, he was just killing it in practices. And unfortunately, his quarterback, Will Greer, could not get him the ball, really. But from watching the game again, he was just – he was so freaking wide open. And I think that ben, Bentley really held him back at South Carolina as well. I mean, we saw what he did to Clemson, and he was injured this year. And I, I just think that Debo Samuel, if he's the guy there that for the Broncos, he's one of the ones that I have circled in red for the Broncos' second round if he's there because I really think his game translates in so many different ways. And I, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of his game. I've heard some people that I respect their opinion a lot say that he's very, very reminiscent to Antonio Brown skill-wise. So I'm, I'm all ears. I, I'm there for that. And then my biggest loser, again, a guy that 
at least for me, probably not as big of a loser as the one that you're going to say here. But for me, Daniel Jones, I know he moved the offense well. I know he he scored that rushing touchdown, but a lot of his plays came on one of them was a dig deep heave on a flea flicker that Terry McLaurin somehow came down with, who probably deserves a shot on this podcast as well. Some good wide receivers down there. But Daniel Jones just didn't do anything for me besides affirm my concerns with him. He's a guy that sometimes I think he's tough in the pocket, but it's like, get rid of the damn ball, dude. Like the <laughs> pass rush is coming. You got to get rid of the damn ball. There was a couple plays also, though, where he was on the move and pass rush is coming and you see him try to make a throw with the pressure coming down on him while moving. And he just, he didn't have it. We saw Drew Locke make those moves and make those throws on the moves. And then just the, the ball coming out of his hand is just so disappointing. So yeah, I, I agree with Albright, you know, top 50 pick. He's a safe bet, but first round pick, I, I just, I, I don't see it at all. And I'm sorry. I just, I, just, I, I know there's some fans of him. I know Caddy the Llama guy that I, I speak with some of the West coast scout does a bunch of the cutups, big Daniel Jones fan. You know, the arm was injured some part this year, but still, I just, I don't get it. I see it. And there's nothing that stands out to me. So he, he was the MVP. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> who was the MVP when the Broncos lost in the Super Bowl to the Seahawks? <laughs> That's that linebacker, Malcolm Smith. You right? did it. Congratulations. Oh, Ed. man, what, I remember the today? name. Yeah. Oh, this is a good day. This is a good day. Yes. Mark so. this down on your calendar, people. Malcolm we will Smith. celebrate this every year. But no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I, there's some people that look at the stats and they'll say, oh, my gosh, Daniel Jones just blew that thing out of the water. Easily the best quarterback there. Oh, my goodness. No. <laughs> you remember the not the not to totally talk crap, but I'm going to totally talk crap. The, the SB Nation site for the Redskins, Hog Nation, I think it was called. And they're like, wow, I don't really see it with Drew Locke, but this Will Greer dude, wow. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I literally just tweeted out, I retweeted it with an emoji of like the, the straight face, you know, no, no reaction. Just because this is, I mean, that's, this is a quote unquote football analyst. Are we serious? So sorry to have to yeah. throw some salt there. Yeah, well, and then, I mean, that, that kind of segues into my guy that I thought had a really bad week, Will Greer. I mean, this is a guy that there were some people, there, and there's probably still some people out there that still view this guy as a first-round quarterback. I've still seen the he's the best quarterback in this draft conversation even after the Senior Bowl, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, no. He had a terrible week. There, There's a lot of people that were talking. He was so erratic. I mean, balls were just all over the place. I, I just, I can't see how people are still behind this kid and saying, "Oh my gosh, this could be something." And he just, he's got a lot of growing to do if he's ever going to turn into an NFL quarterback, or at least a quality NFL quarterback. And I, I just don't see that in his future. But guy that I thought had probably the one of the best weeks, Dalton Risner. I, I just, he's one. Arm length came back in, and there's a lot of people who are ready to push this kid in and say he's got to be an interior player. That's where he's going to play the entire week and all that kind of stuff. And then he comes in with those 34-inch arms, and boom. I mean, he's he's been talked again about that right tackle being a high-quality starter at the tackle position. And I just I thought that was really big for him just to add to his versatility, show teams he's got the length to be able to play that tackle position. And then he showed well on the field. I mean, there's no getting around that. This guy went against some very good pass rushers, and from what I understood, held his own. And, and the offensive line, like you, you had said earlier, they they did pretty well this week, which is huge for the NFL. 
offensive line has just been downright terrible. So to see a class that's coming in that could add something, and especially a guy like Dalton Risner where uh, you could draft him and you might have the view that he's going to be tackle in the future, but maybe you already have your tackle in place that's getting up there in age. Well, you could move him into guard, and he's going to do well there for you for a year or so. And I, I just thought that was really big for him to have that kind of win this week. Yeah, I don't disagree. He's a guy that another one circle him in red round two. I'm definitely interested. And I know that he's worked out with Matt McChesney McChesney before, who's definitely a, a strength and strength guy for the Broncos. And he grew up a Bronco fan. So it seems, and he's a three-time team captain. So there's a lot of stuff pointing towards him. And if the Broncos could, I know that I've been kind of fantasizing quarterback round one, if not interior defensive line, and then tight end round two out of Fant, Hawkinson, or Irv Smith. Those guys might all be gone, so we'll see. But if, if not, if you can go lock round one and then Dalton Reisner round two, that's that's definitely trending in the right direction. I had a mock, I think, two months ago now. It was right after Ben Albright, and we'd heard it around a little bit too, but Ben Albright tweeted about the Broncos interested in it in Drew Locke, and I said, it's perfect early three-round mock for the Broncos. Round one, Drew Locke. Round two, Dalton Reisner. Round three, Rocky Sin. And that's, if that ends up any, I mean, if that ends up still being viable by the time we get around to the draft, then pat myself on the back. Carl, you owe me another beer. I'm <laughs> I do. It <laughs> it's true. I, I will give you that beer because uh, you, you were the one that, uh, I'm trying to remember, you wrote an article about, uh, who was it for the Broncos, like three what, three month, three or four months in advance of the draft? Oh, yes. I don't even remember. I don't know, but you, he, there was no first round hype. And oh, it's Garrett Bowles. Yeah, Garrett Bowles. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And uh, you were the first one to really say, man, this guy might have that first round ability. I could see him crawling into the first round and people like, who, who is this kid? And then all of a sudden first round pick for the Broncos. Boom. Nailed it. Damn. That was one of my proudest achievements. And I forgot about it. It's all that dang cold weather getting to my head, <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to wrap up today's episode of building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dunwar MHH and myself at a Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find our content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our, all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.